Hello guys, this is Dick Fetty. Welcome to another episode of Motel Hell. First I want to say thank you to Ian from Wild Heart Tattoo for joining us for an interview for this episode. Uh, he's an aspiring and up-and-coming tattoo artist over at Wild Heart in Philadelphia, apprenticing under Scurvy Dan, who's another talented artist. So we want to give a big thank you to him. Unfortunately, for whatever reason, we have a lot of little audio gremlins in this episode. We think it's in part because we have two different people calling through Zoom, through two different methods of voice capture, and we've got a microphone next to a speaker, etc., etc. So there are times where it sounds like a Florian Hecker song is playing in the background, or Alvin Noto, these little audio glitches, and we've got additional ambient noise, more than we usually have. Obviously, we always strive to give you guys the best audio quality, but especially during these COVID times, we are really struggling to get things to be as clear as we'd like them, so hopefully it doesn't detract from your enjoyment too much, and we hope you can enjoy and uh, stick it out for the whole episode. Thanks so much. me <laughs> well welcome to motel hell story time with ian edition uh my name is ben the beardo yeah it is and i'm dick the fetty and we've got well why don't you introduce yourself partner uh my name is ian Coyle. um yeah i'm from cherry hill new jersey reside currently in philadelphia um, I'm an apprentice over at Art Tattoo with Fishtown, Philadelphia. Um, and I also work as a closure maintenance dude. Okay, cool. Oh, wow. So, mm -hmm. we are we're here tonight with a special episode. So this is what, Ben, our second interview? Our third interview? Our second interview. <laughs> Okay, so our second interview, I, I maybe dreamt the third one. So yeah, I, we, we have this resident sad boy, Philly, Philly resident Cherry Hill native. Yes. So uh, and and yeah, we're going to we're going to do a little interview tonight. We hope that we can uh, pleasure our audiences in, in both intellectually, but also artistically and just with the dulcet tones of a third man's voice in this mm. menage a trois. Mm. So, Ben, do you have anything to add before we just deep dive right into the throat of this thing? Uh, yeah, uh, so Ian, can you tell us your full address, phone number, and Social. work schedule so any of our listeners can come and find you? Yeah, it's uh, 267 Ooh. cell Ooh. 09. Ooh. Uh, yeah. Word. Nice. We'll definitely send some of our stranger listeners to come find you and give you little yeah. kisses. Yeah. Yeah, and come on. If you guys really want to get excited, you should check out our OnlyFans page, which is going to be up by the time this episode's posted. And <laughs> if you thought Ben and I's feet pics were good, just wait until you see Ian's feet. Because they're somewhere between Spider and Hobbit, but more like a seal. And... To say erotic doesn't do these feet justice, and uh, you know, but it, it's it's going to be expensive, and we want you to know that from the top. But it's going to be worth it, and you're gonna yeah. you're gonna go plop. So yeah, sure. You, I'll plug my Venmo in there as well. Good, good. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You guys, you guys know uh, toe thumbs. Well, Ian actually has finger toes, so mm. it's it's pretty great. Yeah. True. True. His dad was half howler monkey, so. <laughs> okay, 
so Ian, tell me, tell me a little bit about, uh, your, your, I guess, so you, are you still doing the house, uh, emptying? What's, what's the technical term for that? So, so it's technically, it's a foreclosed home maintenance company and the company, um, it's nationwide. We, you know, we have homes in every single state, um, Puerto Rico, Guam, everywhere. Um, and the company's been around um, for about 20, 20, 30 years now. And I mostly work in the tri-state area, mostly really right now in Philadelphia with maintaining homes. And by maintaining homes means, you know, I go there, I take photos for the banks, I let them know that everything is okay, or if everything is not okay, I let them know right away. Um, you know, I change the locks, I do the clean outs and, you know, pretty much, you know, especially right now, it's, uh, there's a lot of work because a lot of people that are vendors for the company are not doing anything. So I've been going around all different parts of Philadelphia into the, into the, you know, the scary parts and into the nice parts, you know, and I've been doing that for about five, six years now under a few different companies. Um, you know, I, I have family ties within it. So I've just been kind of moving around from company to company. Um, and I've gotten pretty good at the job, you know, it doesn't take much, but like definitely takes that special somebody to really understand how the business really works. Okay. So Ian, do you have any, like, what is some of the craziest shit you've experienced while doing this? Oh, wow. Um, well, recently, I, uh, I was in a house. I, uh, the, the locks have been changed. Our signage was on the doors, everything up to code. And I go in and, you know, it's usually pretty clean in these homes that went after, after they're, they're usually clean after we, you know, we, after we clean them, after we, you know, take all the debris out, spruce them up so they can be later on put on the market. And I walked into a home and I smelled fresh human shit. And, <laughs> you know, and I walk, I walk it around and I, I usually kick open the doors and I yell inspector, you know, just so people are aware that I'm in the house. Um, and I kicked open a door and then the door swung right back at me. And there was this, you know, there's this woman laying there and she was like, you know, ask me questions. And I was like, you're not the one supposed to be asking questions. I'm the one asking questions. Why are you here? She was asking me what, what bank do I work for? And I was like, I'm not fucking telling you what bank, like you can't be here. You know, I don't know how you got into this house, but you need to leave. And that's, you know, that's the most recent, um, Is, I come in honor uh, with, uh, let me, uh, let me stop you real quick. So, when in a situation like that, what's protocol? Do you call Philadelphia police and get them involved, or do you just go to your truck and get a baseball bat and figure it out yourself? It depends. It really depends. If I feel like my life is in danger, you know, I will call the police. I've had to do that before. Um, just like you know, squatter in a home, and he's not supposed to be there, and he's being you know, a little too crazy for my liking. Um, I'll call the police, but usually I can handle it myself. Um, I never had anybody attack me yet. And, um, you know, I, I carry a knife on me, which is just a stupid little pocket knife. Um, you know, I usually enter a home with a crowbar. Who, who, I mean, I'm ready for something, but, but I don't want that to happen. Sure. You know, I don't want to beat somebody over the head with a crowbar, but if my life is in danger and that is the only option, you know, I might just have to do that. Yeah, better to be prepared than otherwise. Sure. So, and for, I want to hear more about the other crazy experiences because I'm sure you got a lot of them. But for yeah. our listeners who are less familiar with the Philadelphia area, can you tell us like which, which neighborhoods are the good ones and sort of like what, what the kind of city looks like from somebody, from the perspective of somebody doing your job? So, I mean... There, in every part of the city, there is a good part, you know, not all parts of the city are bad. Uh, you know, some are notoriously bad. Um, 
but you know, with like Kensington and North Philly area, you know, the Northeast, um, they get pretty dicey because, you know, a lot of like low income housing, like tons and tons of foreclosed homes, which means they're just abandoned. People are running amok in them. Um, you know, a lot of drug dealing, a lot of crime going on. And usually, you know, it's, it's, it gets dicey. And, and for, for one thing, you know, when I'm in, I'll sometimes go to New Jersey, I'll go to Camden, which is very similar to Philadelphia. It's a, you know, very, um, you know, a low income area. Just a lot of, a lot of bad shit going down, a lot of drugs, a lot of guns, a lot of, you know, just violence. And, um, but that's where most of these foreclosed homes are. But then there's also foreclosed homes, homes in some of the nicest areas in the world, you know? Yeah. Like, you know, people don't pay their bills. That's why you get foreclosed upon. <laughs> like, it happens to anyone, you know, it doesn't matter who you are, race, color, creed. It doesn't, doesn't matter. It just happens. And so, you know, that's just, you know, that in any area I go to, I definitely have to stand guard um, and not be an idiot and act professional. And like, you know, if somebody's giving me a hard time, I've, I've had the cops called on myself, you know, numerous times for being at a home, for kicking down a door. Because um, they don't know who I, yeah. you know. There's just some tattooed crazy white boy kicking in doors with a crowbar. Pretty much. That's literally what it is. And I've gotten, you know, because I have to, when I when I take a lock out of a door, I've got to bust down the door and I have to rekey it, you know, right in, you know, broad daylight where everybody <laughs> can see me. And, and neighbors will see that and they don't know what's going on. So they'll call the police on me and the cops come out. And I'll talk to them and I, I let them know what's going on. Yeah. And they usually they're totally fine with it because they know that like this is just the process. Right. And people who people who have never been through the process don't know that. So they just see somebody, you know, kicking down a door in a sketchy neighborhood and they're kind of uh they're worried, you know. Well, I think it's it's similar to like if you've ever been super coked up and then had to try to act like you're not, like you know, yeah. you know, sort of like how all that looks. And if you've done it, then you can spot it and whatever. And it makes sense. But for anybody else, like it's, I don't know, it's sort of, I guess maybe it's more like the reverse of, uh, if people aren't looking for it and they don't expect it, they don't know what the heck's going on. But if you know, it's good, then like it all makes sense. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. It always comes back to cocaine for you. I'm, I'm, yes, I'm, I was immediately <laughs> yeah. like, I'm just going to shoehorn this in here. Okay, we're going for it. So, <laughs> Did just, you guys know that I used to do cocaine? Just force it in there. It's all good. Yeah, not my first time. Um, I had another question. Do you, do you normally uh, work alone as far as just checking houses, like the day-to-day -day stuff? You're doing that solo? Yeah, for the most part, for the past, for past year or so now, I've been working alone. Um, they provide me with a work truck and it's parked right outside of my place in South Philly. And uh, I get, you know, I get a list of homes sent to me every day um, and I go out and do it by myself. And then sometimes if, you know, some other crews need help to, with like a clean out or anything, you know, specific needed for, you know, they need more people for a job, you know, and I'm kind of, I've been, I've been the only, so I've been there for about a little over three years now. And every, I'm the oldest, uh, not the oldest, but I am like the, I've worked there the longest out of all the people that work there now. And so like, I get to like oversee things when they're being done and kind of like assert my authority and be like, you know, fucking do that you know better or you know work harder work faster when i can just like sit in my truck and smoke cigarettes and watch them that's pretty, pretty cool. good yeah yeah that's the uh that's that's living the good life oh yeah so we took a little detour but tell, tell us more about i want to hear about the crazy situations but then i definitely want to talk about this like the physical objects you've you've taken out of homes too so oh hell yeah uh, so with like altercations um 
it's usually like a disgruntled, you know, neighbor who, you know, yells at me for being on their lawn. Um, I haven't, I've only had one experience like the one that I said earlier about, you know, actually having somebody in a home. Um, but like with like, it's usually people on the streets that are just like yelling at me and, um, what you doing here, white boy? Yeah. Threatening, threatening me. You know, like I've had a woman tell me like, you know, don't take pictures of my house or next time you're going to get shot. (laughs) And I was like, all right, that's cool. Just aim for my head. You know, don't, don't fucking paralyze me. If you're going to shoot me, you better kill me. And, um, stuff like that. So it's like, I try to limit those altercations at all times because yeah. I don't know what the other person is going to do. And I don't have a gun and I don't, you know, I'm not ever going to carry a gun. I think that's not a good idea. Um, but yeah, I, I try to avoid those altercations at all times, but like they do happen. And, um, especially in this line of business, it's just like, it's in a, it's a business of, you know, people, people that are losing their homes, like losing their livelihood and, you know, people become very disgruntled and, um, emotional. Sure. I've had, like, I've had to go on like eviction calls, which means like you go out there with a sheriff and they evict people, you know, literally you watch this, I've watched families have to be taken out of their homes and it's really sad and I don't like doing it because, you know, this is just my job. I don't really care about what the bank has to say, but like I'm getting paid to show up and like help this sheriff. You know, I have to like, they, the sheriff will take people out or like get them to get out of the house. And then I go in and I change the locks and I take pictures for the bank and let them know like this has to be get This has to be done you know, all the stuff that like we have to bid to get, you know, approved to work upon. And, um, yeah, but it's, it's, um, but all in all, I get to, you know, I'm safe, but I do, uh, try to avoid any altercation as much as I can. I try to like be polite, you know, just be a nice person to these people. Cause I know what they're going through. I'm not an asshole. I don't like you know, I would I would let any I would let all the squatters stay in the house, you know, especially in the winter. But like, I can't do that because, you know, I'll get I'll get in trouble for that. Right. Right. So you've never walked in on a man making love to a rotisserie chicken. No, no, I wish because I would I would join in on it, man. My yeah, God. really, really spick at that bitch. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, he's got yeah. Chi- chicken fever is what I heard about you, Ian. Yeah, I love it. I mean, honestly, it's a it's my pastime, and I think America's pastime. Yeah, America runs on Duncan, and I I'd, I'd also <laughs> say that I've heard the expression. I don't know how true this is, but what is it? I think it's talk talk softly, but carry a big turkey baster. So, yeah. is that is I've that heard- that's true in your line of work, right? I mean, that's equally applicable as to what I do. Yeah, pretty much. I mean. I've got the biggest. It's 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 chilling and it's ready to go whenever it needs to blow, if you know what I mean. I do. And I, I do. I definitely think that uh Frank, you should edit this episode so it seems like Ian says, I have many guns and they're on me at all times. So that way if anyone tries to attack him in the street, they're like, Wait, he's got many guns. I should not do that. Yeah. It's true. So what about what about sexy sexy objects, not sexy objects? And I do want to oh. talk about hoarding houses, if you've had to do any of those. Yeah. Oh, man. So, I'll first say that every piece of furniture in my apartment right now is from a foreclosed home. That is incredible. Yeah. So, when you... when you Usually, I'm the first one into these homes. I'm the first one to you know, break down the original lock put a new lock on and go, you know, rummage through the house because the bank takes it over. It's bank property. Now, um, most, you know, when you lose your home, you have like a 90 day or so grace period that you can go and get your stuff. But once that is over and the bank has full ownership and you have, and, and, you know, full control over the house, you know, you can't get your things back. 
Yeah, they're forfeit. Yeah, forfeited. And so, like, you know, I have a lot of furniture. All my furniture is from homes. Um, you know, I have a lot of my books, a lot of my records, a lot of, like, you know, things that I like, you know, I have found at homes. I have a few swords um, hanging on my walls, you know. And the difference between me and my coworkers is that everything to them is trash, you know, but everything to me, I really know what I'm looking for and I know what is worth money if I, if I, if I go to sell it later on. And, um, you know, I've come out, I've come out, you know, really well with, uh, flipping when I find like knowing when something is, you know, made in a certain year that I know that it's valuable, um, and put it straight to eBay or any other site. And, uh, you know, I've made, I've made lots of money just, uh, selling other people's things. It's a, it's an amazing, uh, it's treasure hunting. You know, I have, I have tons of clothes that I found in homes that I have sold and I wear today. I literally am wearing a shirt right now that I have found in the home. Now, do you, do you wear them straight out the home? Like, do you just put it on no. like you would be at the, the store? Just like, you know, fucking fresh threads or you wash that uh, bitch. I, I wash it because most of the time it's in a shitty, shitty home. And um, sometimes I haven't because the home's really nice. And I'm like, you know what? If it doesn't smell bad, it's pretty clean. You know, I do the smell test, you know, the one, two, and then, you know, but at overtime, I do wash everything and I make sure, uh, you know, there's nothing on the clothes that I don't want to be on the clothes, like uh, human remains or, you know, liquids of that such now do you are, are we just are we going to gloss over the fact that he said human remains well i mean anything anything remaining from a human that could be hair that could be yeah. jasm skin cells etc yeah. an entire arm an yeah. arm yeah so yeah big questions have you ever found any dead bodies no i haven't yet um but i know people who have found dead bodies and it's not it's not fun Oh. Um, it's not what it's, it's, it's yeah. Cause like some of these homes, the squatters are in there and they might, you know, OD right. or, you know, just die or whatever. Like, I mean, it's, it happens all the time. I have yet to find somebody. Um, I always said the day that I do find somebody, I'm going to quit because I don't, I just, you know, that will be, the, I think that would be the last straw, um, that I'm just like, you know what, this is not for me anymore and I'm done. <laughs> Are you, so I guess, I mean, we talk a lot on this podcast about sexual attraction to dead bodies. That's like not for you then? Fuck. Uh, no. <laughs> I've never been, I've never been, um, how do you say it? You know, presented with that opportunity. Sure. So who knows? I might walk in a house and see a freshly dead body and be like, you know what? I am uh, feeling kind of funky today and i might as well just take a whack at it you know while no one's here right but you know that hasn't come up yet in my line of work hopefully it doesn't i don't want to go down that road and, and create another addiction in my life yeah um, it's a hard man, it's one a, it's a victimless crime it, it, you know and sometimes <laughs> dead people are sexy that's all i'm gonna say well I, I i do think that the problem that at least is for most people you know, unless you are contemplating uh, dead body love, you know, in the first place, then typically if you find a dead body, your reaction isn't going to be like, I am feeling frisky. It's going to be like, <laughs> oh, my God, that's a dead body. I don't know. You know, some of our listeners, maybe some of our hosts here would feel differently because finally their wish for a fresh corpse has been fulfilled and they all have their time and their freedom but you know it's hard to say i just it's just an idle question just an idle question so um uh do you presume that everything is coded in jism when you enter a home um pretty much i mean i'm sure if i took a black light to half <laughs> the room that i've been into um it would come up very positive that there is, uh, you know, man juice everywhere. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I haven't. I, uh, 
I like to keep, I like to not think that they're me, but you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm wrong because there's totally a bunch of cum everywhere. I just don't see it. Well, that's probably I true mean, true for a regular home. Yes. I mean, there's cum everywhere at all times. You yeah. go to Target, there's cum. You go yeah. to ba- Applebee's, cum. Well, that's a given. But um, yeah. are you, or do you wear gloves when you when you rifle through the cum and the dead bodies or whatever or not? Depends. Yeah, I mean, I, I put on I put on latex gloves when I go into a house. You know, sometimes I'll wear you know a face mask. Really? Um, oh, okay. Just if, if if it smells really bad, there's mold. You know, okay. there's always mold houses, and um, you know, or if there's like been animals, like if they had a dog and it just smells like dog shit and fur. And, um, you know, so I take I take the precautions. You know, if I if I need to put on boots, like uh, like water boots, um, waterproof boots, um, if there's water or whatever. So I take, I have everything in my truck that I would need, you know, depending on which house I go into. Okay. So what about, so, um, I'm sorry, go ahead, Ben. Well, I was just going to ask, like, what are some of the weird things that you have found in there? Not necessarily people, but like objects, whether they be sexy or just strange in general. Um, so... I mean, there's a dildo in pretty much every house I go to. That's not a weird thing. It's a very natural thing for, uh, you know, to pleasure yourself. But there's always dildos, um, always different kinds of sex toys. Um, you know, I've, I've come across, you know, full-blown homemade porn studio where lights and different mattresses and, you know, pretty much it's always revolving around sex. Like there's always something that is just like, there's always just sex, just sexual things everywhere. You really, you really don't know about somebody's like kinks until in somebody's home and when they're not there and like the bank owns it and you can go through and and look at things. So you really find out, you know, you know, that 80 year old grandma down the, down the street was a, really like sex from all the books that she had you know that's been that's my experience you know seeing that kind of stuff being like oh wow this 80 year old woman you know has a sex bible and 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 different little toys and you know so no no discrimination against uh any of that you know it's a beautiful thing to see yeah and i i do want to tease a little bit i think uh, I know you've given me a collection of homemade erotica from one of these homes, and it's first of all an exquisite collection, and and I think decades spanning. Uh, but more importantly, it's going to be the source for probably some work, some well published unofficially kind of work. And I'm very appreciative. I'm in talks with somebody else about what we're going to do with it, and I think it'll be it'll be exciting and bring a little bit of color unintended into our lives so yeah i but, know exactly what you're talking about i know exactly where i found that what <laughs> home it was. i even wrote it down in my binder that i have for work i said you know this is it this is the home <laughs> this is the one so do you do you get to living in philly now which is where you work at least a fair amount do you regularly drive by places and think oh i've emptied that place out i've changed those locks there or not so much <laughs> Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of homes in South Philly where I live that I'll drive by and say exactly that. Like, oh, I work there. You know, that's a home that I go to every two weeks um, to check up on. Um, You know, I've seen homes where, like, you know, people have moved into them and I congratulate them and say, oh, I've worked on this house for a year. Like, it's awesome that you've moved in. Like, you know, because when people, you know, foreclosed homes, um, you know, they're a great investment. people but they're also really bad for neighborhoods because it you know it really makes the property cost property cost you know plummet and it's really hard for other people to sell their homes when you have a foreclosed home right next to you yeah Uh, so i love seeing people move in um you know i drive by you know at least you know five or six homes that i've worked on before um throughout a day of normal working and uh, it's it's a it's it's cool. I kind of get like, you know, some of the homes that I found a lot of good stuff in. Um, 
it's like kind of like you know I'm a little like um, what's it called attached to the home because I you know it's like oh my coffee table's from there you know <laughs> and this shit like that that I'm like oh I love that place you know they had such good stuff. <laughs> Have you seen any kind of increase in business? Or foreclosures, I guess not, right? Because they're tolling foreclosures because of COVID right now. Yes. Okay. But yeah, nothing. They're not doing. They're only. They're not foreclosing upon people. Um, they are only allowing pre-existing work to happen on the homes. Okay. Um, so people are safe right now, but whenever you know, who knows. Yeah, well, it certainly speaks to the dark heart of the way that this country's economy works and the way that we think of people as far as their social and economic value. But it's nice that at least the government for the time being saying, we're not going to evict you just yet. Only the day that, you know, as soon as we can, yeah. we will. But right now you're safe, you poor, poor people. So Yeah, exactly. So tell us about some of the hoarder homes you've gone into. Oh wow! I mean, I mean, watching the show Hoarders, you know, gives you a little bit of an insight on as to like what really happens in a hoarder's home. But being in a hoarder's home is the saddest, most fucked up thing you'll ever see. Um, you know, like I, I was in a home where you could barely walk around. You know, there was little, little bitty like aisles that you go through from room to room, and things piled to the ceiling of like, you know, thousands and thousands of just plastic shopping bags. Um, you know, who needs thousands of them? You know, nobody. And you know, boxes of things. You know, unopened. Like I've actually, I've taken a lot of things home that were unopened. You know, brand new boxes of, uh, I, you know, I had a, I found a brand new air conditioner unit, you know, and they had like a few of them. So I took them and I sold a couple and like, you know, brand new cooking appliances. Um, but people buy all this stuff. And like, I think about it as like, man, if they weren't buying all this stuff, maybe they would have their home still. Um, and it's not even hoarding, you know, nice things. It's like newspapers yeah. and trash. Um, you know, McDonald's cups, like hundreds of them, um, you know, and, and sometimes they'll have animals as well. And just like not taking care, like they're, you know, they're sick people. So when they, when, you know, their sickness, you know, pours out into their homes and it's really sad, but it sometimes makes for the best, uh, like scavenging. Like, you know, I have found some amazing things in a hoarder's home because they bought stuff 30 years ago and forgot about it. And I can find it, you know, 30 yeah. years later. Well, it's interesting because when we had Mike on, who's a crime scene cleanup technician uh, and works out in the Bay Area, he said that, uh, I guess it was getting human feces out of brick was one of the worst things that he would do for his job. And the second worst thing was dealing with hoarder homes for the exact same reasons. And I... I feel like he had a lot, a lot less of ability to, to pick stuff out of places because he was there in a slightly different capacity and, you know, spoke to also the uh, incredible, uh, like the, the sort of horribleness of looking at these animals in these horror houses. Sorry, I couldn't get that out. Yeah. But yeah, I'm, I'm sorry, go ahead. I mean, it's terrible. I mean, it's you know, people love to watch the shows and like laugh at it and, and you know make fun of people that are like that. Like, you know, that's another that's another form of mental illness. That's an addiction. You know, and it's and it's sad to see you know in person. You know, it's never because I I have met some like sometimes I'll meet people and go to their homes and take pictures and talk to them because like some people are still living in their homes. Um, through it's not foreclosure but it's for it's for like reverse mortgages and their people are still living there so i've gotten to talk to the people and have to take pictures of their homes and then months later i come to find out that they died and i have to like you know go through their house and i realize how sick they really were 
um, yeah, it's just it's just sad to be, you know, and that's stuff that I don't I don't think about until I'm in that situation. I'm like, holy shit, like, this is so bad. Yeah. So, is there anything else you want to tell us about that uh, that job that you have before we talk about your other job? Um, I mean, no, it's not as glamorous as it sounds <laughs> at all. It's uh, I've had to I've had to clean out a lot of human shit out of toilets, um, you know, piles of it, you know, and uh, it's not fun. But you know, the perks of it is that. I have completely furnished my home and I've made thousands of dollars off of selling other people's things. So it's a good hustle, but it's definitely got to get down and dirty to, uh, to really get what you want out of it. Fair enough. Fair enough. So, uh, why don't you tell us about your other sexy, I guess, is it a part-time job, your second full-time job, your, your whole, your deal? Or whatever you want to call it. What 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 are we? So yeah yeah. Um, so right now, I am an apprentice tattoo artist, and um, I've been doing that. So I've been I've been a full on apprentice for a little over a year now. Um, but I've been practicing tattooing. I've been tattooing for about it was two months right before this the quarantine hit. Okay. So the story behind that is that, you know, I moved, I moved to Philadelphia and uh, about a couple weeks into moving to Philadelphia, I reached out to a tattoo shop that I loved um, and I asked them if I, if I could start working there part-time and part-time meeting, meaning, um, you know, Saturday and Sunday, they would pay me under the table. I'd work there for the, the both of the days. And just be at the shop. I would get tattooed by the guys there and just talk to people and just help out with cleaning and all this kind of stuff. You know, and anything that would help keep a tattoo shop afloat. Just helping as much as I could. And um, my mentor now, he came to me and said, hey, you know, I'm going to be starting my own, my, shop, my own shop. And I wanted to let you know, like, you know, I wanted to ask you if you wanted to come on and learn how to tattoo. And so at this point, this is about about two years ago. And I said, yeah, sure. Hell yeah, let's do it. And at this point, you know, I really was not drawing. Um, I really wasn't painting too much, really at all. You know, the last time I painted was probably in like high school. And, uh, you know... And I was like, okay, cool. And from that point on, you know, I started drawing, um, started drawing a lot, and, you know, just just drawing old traditional tattoo flash, um, tracing lines, painting old flash, and just learning about drawing, really, and and really learning about it by doing it. And um, yeah, and then you know, about four or five months ago or whatever it's been you know i started tat i start i did my first tattoo like the first week of january um and then have been just like slowly it was like first week first whatever it was like january february and i first started tattooing and then uh yeah just been learning at the shop you know i worked there from uh, i worked there mon or wednesday Wednesday through Saturday, and since I was tattooing a lot uh, prior to the quarantine, I was booking, you know, every day, just going in there after my other job, tattooing, and then going home, and just trying to, like, learn as much as I could, um, you know, because I was told that, you know, if I, if I tattoo every single day, I'm going to learn, you know, if I take a break a week off and I'm not booking anybody, you know, I'm not going to be learning. So I have to like keep doing it. So right now it's kind of a hard thing to process with like the learning capabilities of it. Like, cause I'm not, I can't learn how to tattoo if I'm not tattooing. So are you so, just like tattooing your, your knuckles over and over again? Or have you, uh, taken to just like attacking people on the street with a needle in your hand or what are you doing to <laughs> no, stay sharp? I, I have, I have, uh, I've tattooed myself few times on my upper thighs and I just tattooed my foot 
um, a couple days ago. And uh, yeah, but it's it's honestly, if you asked if you asked me two three years ago if I was going to be doing this, I would have said you're fucking crazy. You know, I was petrified of doing it um, at all. And uh, you know, if things start to you know start to pick up again and things start to go well, you know, I hope to be making this my career and become a professional artist you know in the next coming years um you know because i truly do love it you know i never thought i would love it i love getting tattoos um i never thought i would like doing tattoos you know so let me ask so i've got a lot of follow-up questions i want to break some break down some of the stuff that you said my first one would be before you started working at the tattoo shop, what you drew you into a getting that job and well, let me ask that question first. Um, so what drew me into getting that job was um, I was already going to the tattoo shop a lot, you know, just in there all the time. Um, and I saw that they had an open for a shop assistant. Okay. And, and I was like, you know what? Fuck it. Let me see if like, you know, I can work here two days a week and make, you know, an extra 200 bucks on top of my full-time job, you know, and then, and let, let me just see. And they, you know, I had one small interview and then he was like, all right, man, you're it, you know, come, come back week. We'll get you started. Okay. So did they, they already kind of knew you cause you'd been there so much as it was. Yeah. So, a, a, um, a few guys knew me, um, but the whole shop, really knew know who because I, I was only getting tattooed by one or two guys there okay and uh you know they later on get to know me once i started working there is there any place at the time or now currently that you wouldn't get a tattoo on what do you mean oh like on my For body yourself, yeah i mean not really i mean really i think the only place i wouldn't want to get tattooed is my face um because you know. I'm just, I'm just, I'm honestly just way too good looking and I don't want to fuck that up. Yeah. Oh my God, you're so damn handsome. It is true. I know. Ladies, I, it's, it's true. It's the truth. Um, I know, I know podcasts, uh, you can't see me, but fuck, I am beautiful. Well, we'll, we'll no, put a couple This whole thing's going on YouTube. We're recording your face every step of the way. Yeah. Oh, jeez. <laughs> yeah. I know. We but, get... No, I'm sorry. Go um, ahead. There's, there's, I mean... I, you know, I have plans for getting, you know, most of my body tattooed. You know, most of my body is tattooed. Um, you know, I have a tattoo on like every part of my body except for my cock, uh, my butt, you know, so. You mean like in your butt crack or like where just like, no cheeks? Well, cheeks and hole. Nothing's there yet. I, want, I would love to get my cheeks tattooed at some point, but the pain is brutal and I just like. You know, I'm all right for right now. Is there? What any... are you going to get tattooed on your cock? Dump truck. Oh no, on his butt. I I'm, I miss her. Well, I I would love to get a cock tattoo, um, of like some ornamental designs, like just line work, real simple stuff, um, which is crazy. But I would love to do. There's a person out in, um, I think he's out in Brussels, and he does them, and he's he's like pretty famous for it. And uh, I'd love to travel and get my get my dick tattooed, you know. Yeah. Is he famous for dick tattoos or line work? He's famous for like genital tattoos. He put out oh. a zine. He put out a really cool zine of all genital tattoos that he couldn't post online, so he made a zine of them. Word. How much would it cost I to get no my name tattooed on Frank's dick by you? I would. I wouldn't charge you at all. You hear that, Frank? We're doing it. No, I want to get ride or die tattooed on either side of my dick, but the or the O would be around the base and the R would be on my taint. That's it would my not dream. make any sense. Yeah, but when I was drunk in a hot tub, it made all the sense in the world, and I don't need to go back on that reasoning. No, I think I think that's a great idea. Um, I just hope you're ready for that pain. First idea, best idea, right? Yeah, listen. Yeah. <laughs> there, there's a there's a reason we call him Dick Fetty, and it's because he tears his dick to confetti 
Also, he has recently got into urethral sounding, so no, Ooh. I'm not, I'm not there yet. But I do think a sounding kit. Well, it doesn't matter. But um, <laughs> so shit. What was I? So I know that you talked about traditional style tattoos as far as what you're working on. But what about for yourself? Is there so? Because I, I do want to talk more about your style, but I'm also just curious. So you as a canvas, is there anything? style-wise, like, that you do have, like, a definite, it has to be, like, this kind of a style or this kind of a thing for the stuff that you get on yourself, or is it you're more sort of willy-nilly with it? Um, I'm sort of willy-nilly with it. Um, there's some stuff like, uh, like realism tattoos that I probably wouldn't get. Yeah. Um, just stuff like that. I, I mean, I have, you know, I have most most of my tattoos are all, like, traditional base tattoos like bold lines you know you know a lot of a lot of black coloring um a lot of color um you know there's not too much that i wouldn't get um stylistic wise probably i wouldn't get like realism tattoos you know i have tribal tattoos like tribal work um you know different you know i have so much random shit on me um, to the point that, like, I forget what's on my body. Do you have anything you regret? Um, no, because I don't regret any of them. I might regret, like, where I put them or, like, how big they were. But, like, if I didn't get that tattoo, then I wouldn't be sitting here talking to you guys. Fair. You know? Fair. Yeah, that's that's really how it goes. You know, that's my that's my hardcore belief right there that like if I didn't do that shit, you know, if I didn't get those dumb tattoos when I was 18, 19 years old, then I don't know if I would be tattooing right now, you know, because I might have if I waited another couple of years and, you know, it all it all makes sense now. Everything played out, you know, has been playing out well for now. I like the way that you said if you didn't uh, get those tattoos, you wouldn't be here talking to us as if we're actually important. Or this uh, is somehow an achievement. The, all, you know, all, as like a podcast, it, it, it feels good. It, it, it's kind of puffing up my head a bit. Good, good. Pump, I, I love to pump people's ego. To pump it up. I got something you can pump up. So mm. let uh -huh. me let me ask you one last question about your own tattoos, and then we'll move on to your work. What for you has been the worst place that you've had to get work done on? Like, or you've had work done on tattoo wise? Uh, uh, I think probably the worst pain that I ever felt was I have a tiger that sits right above my belly button on my stomach. Um, okay. that, that was probably the worst pain I ever felt getting a tattoo and I have my whole back done from shoulder blades down to my ass crack. And um, that was pretty painful as well. Um, everything else has been pretty bearable, you know? Like it's, it's, I mean, you both have tattoos and like they suck and they hurt really bad, but like they're pretty bearable. Like you can, you can withstand that pain. Like, you know, you're not gonna die. You know, but they do fucking hurt. Feels like hot razor blades running through your skin. Gets my dick hard. Yeah, yeah. I, I I just remember when I when I did my back piece, the the two parts were the my love handles, and then certain inexplicable parts of my my like spine itself. Like the spine mostly wasn't that bad, but sometimes it would be right next to the spine, and I'd be like Ugh, just like shaking uncontrollably trying to yeah. you know stay chill for the needle so yeah i didn't like i i really i had like my lower back was very like, it was terrible it yeah was, like the, and really the line work of it because it just like straight lines just like <clears throat> really just pulling every which way and uh yeah usually i can talk and like hang out and get tattooed and laugh and enjoy it like not enjoy the tattoo but like, you know, enjoy the time that I'm having, but man, that time when that, when I, you know, it was, it was horrible, but it looks great, you know, but yeah. man, it was, it was bad. It's funny. Cause I, it's, it's been eight years since the line work was done on my back piece and I only finished it, I think what, two years ago, but yeah. it was, I can still, 
I just remember leaving the studio like a broken man. It was as if I had seen my mother executed before my very eyes, just shattered. And I was waiting in the street in, in on South Street for my girlfriend at the time to pick me up and just like shaking. And also it was really cold. It was January. But like just, just being like, why? Why would I do this to myself? Seven hours yeah. of fucking line work. Way too much. Yeah. So that's funny because... I won't I won't sit for more than two hours like I I could never sit for seven hours that's that's crazy that's a full work day you know I'm not <laughs> that, I, I you know I I can sit for like an hour and a half you know maybe two hours and then like most of the stuff that I have now you know I don't have space for too much like too many bigger things like every tattoo that I've gotten recently has been you know, palm size or about like hand size okay. um, which don't take too long so tell us uh then tell me about tell ben and i about the evolution of your own style as it goes with this i mean i know you said you hadn't really drawn since being back in school so what did it what did you tap into as far as like well what am i going to try to do to find my own voice look etc so i mean that was kind of it was kind of odd because when I first started to draw this time around, you know, getting started with my apprenticeship, um, I was tracing a lot of older designs, just like learning about the line work. Um, you know, just, you know, my mentor told me that like, you know, every line, um, I guess he said like every line matters. Like there's always like, everything that you're doing in design, it all has to make sense. It all has to like, you know, reach a certain point. And, um, every line has a purpose. That's, that's what he said. And, um, you know, when I first started drawing, I like, I look back at my drawing from like two years ago and I'm like, what the fuck is this? Like all this shit. Um, and you know, over time I started figuring out stuff that I like to draw. Um, a lot of my work is like based off of old traditional stuff. And then I, then I tweak a lot of it and like make it my own and, and redraw it, add different colors, you know, um, different subject matter. And, uh, I mean, when I first started out, I really didn't know what I was drawing. Um, I still don't know what I'm drawing, but like, I think I have been finding a little, you know, a little bit of a style as I go on with it. And, um, yeah. But when I first started drawing, I just like, I, it was all trash. I look back on that. And I'm just like, I don't want to, I don't want to look at it at all. You know? Yeah. It's yeah. So, well, you know, I've always, uh, held the belief that literally anybody can learn how to draw because it's understanding, form and light and just once you have those things down it's it's like learning math like anybody can learn how to do it but the creativity behind it is something that not everybody can do and you know watching you go from someone who's just you know drawing something they see into someone who's developing their own style and really putting creativity into it gotta say dude very impressed and very proud of you yeah, thank you. I mean, I, I've always known that I was a creative person, um, just with like, you know, the clothes I would wear, the music I would listen to, the things I was into. Um, I always knew that I was creative, but just never really, I didn't know what I wanted to do with my life. I mean, that's honestly, since, since I started tattooing and since I started learning how to draw and paint, and tattoo um i've you know before doing all that you know nowadays i've never felt more like the person i'm supposed to be um which is like a fucking incredible feeling you know and uh but it all came out of just like showing up you know saying like i don't know how to draw but like fuck it i'm just gonna draw and like learn by doing and um it's been a wild ride. You know, I love drawing now. I love painting now. People want to buy my art, which is fucking crazy, you know? And yeah, they want to wear, they want to wear my art on their bodies forever, 
which is even more crazy. I, I like that. I was trying to think of something worthwhile to say after that. I think that that's a... I guess I would say that's a really... That must be a unique aspect of your job, knowing that people will walk out of the studio and unless they get expensive surgery or use a sharp... Like, what are those those cheese slicer type things? Or a, oh, a cheese grater? Yeah, not a cheese grater, but, like, the ones that are, like, the single slices. You know, you take cheese off a big block with... Or, like, a skin uh, graft machine. A deli slicer? Yeah, kind of like a deli slicer. Unless they got one of those on hand, they're, they're stuck with what you do to them. Yeah, pretty much. So it's... I mean, and, and that's what I've always... Before tattooing, like, in my apprenticeship and before tattooing, I was very... I'm still scared of that, you know, fucking up so bad that you, you know, you know, but like, I, I mean, my mentor tells me like, you know, you can mess up in a tattoo halfway through. And then when you're done with it, you'll never know, you know, yeah. you can, you you can fix it within, with if you, I mean, unless you fuck it up too bad, you know, you, you can change up the whole design um, especially if it's like a flash design, like if it's a pre-drawn thing, um, you know, cause it's my design to begin with. I can change it, you know, right when it's getting tattooed and like, you know, I'll, I'll even let the person know, be like, Oh, listen, like, you know, I made a wrong turn at that line. So I just like, you know, made it a little different. I'm, and I'm, I'm very open and honest with them and let them know, like, this is what I did. If it looks like a little different from what, you know, we talked about like, you know, and most—I mean, most of the time that, that like, I think it looks better the way I finish it up, and like most of the time, the other people, you know, will think that as well. You know, especially because like, you know, they trust me, and like I'm not sitting there like fucking, you know, tattoos up, but you know, I'm not perfect. Things well, are gonna happen. Yeah, and people know you're in your apprenticeship. It's not like yeah. you're in there charging $200 an hour to, like, you know, just do a practice flash on their forehead, so. Exactly. That's not what I'm doing. They know they know what they're – like, I have plenty of apprentice tattoos that, you know, I look back on now. I'm like, yeah, those weren't that great, but, like, I also didn't spend money, and I knew what I was getting into. Yeah. Do you think there's, is there any specific influence in your work as far as the variations on what you're doing? Like, is there a sex angle that's big for you? Or like, are you really into like flames or skulls with sunglasses or like, is there any, no, I mean, I'm, I'm half joking, but I'm also serious. I'm, I say it because at least I feel like the part of your work that appeals to me, I already know what theme that is, but I, I'm curious about for yourself, if there's something that you're. Uh, that you try to, like a character to yourself? Is there like a underlying pervert or? Um, I mean, what I really gravitate towards is like very cartoony looking things. Um, I love referencing like old newspaper ads, old, old comics, old Playboy, um, old Playboy comics is something I really like looking at and drawing from, um, you know, a lot of my stuff is loosely based off of traditional designs that, like I said before, like I'll tweak and like draw it, just draw it a little differently. You know, I love drawing like flowers, you know, girls, but you know, there's not too much that like I don't want to draw. I mean, there's a lot, I mean, I should rephrase that. There's, there's some things I don't want to draw cause I think they're stupid. Um, but you know, I like, challenging myself and like thinking up some crazy shit and like attempting it. Um, but yeah, like I, I like to like have my designs be as simple as possible, but still come off as, you know, a good tattoo. Okay. Yeah. Is, is there anything, so I know it's probably hard to say cause it's, you're not, you know, you're still early in the career, but are there things that, you feel like either you wouldn't be willing to do or you would really like to do or any uh, body parts you would or wouldn't be willing to tattoo? Um, yeah, right now, I mean, like, being so early on, um, you know, there's some stuff that I'm not 
really willing to do because I just don't even know how to do it. Um, you know, a lot of different kind of styles. I just don't, I just don't know how to do it. Um, and I'm not going to attempt to do it and, and fuck up. Um, unless it's on, you know, a willing person who will let me practice, you know, a Japanese design or something, something along the lines of that. Um, you know, with like tattooing body parts, um, you know, I mean, I would tattoo, you know, pretty much anything at this point, just because I am confident in my ability to like, you know, put down a good tattoo. Um, but if it was, if it's, I wouldn't tattoo somebody's face that that's for damn sure. Um, you know, I, I tattooed one of my friend's hands not too long ago and that was pretty cool. Cause I didn't even know I was doing it that day. I, I, it was within an hour. He's like, yeah, you want to tattoo my hand? And I'm like, all right, cool. Let's do it. And I was, you know, it's a lot, a lot to do, lot to do with confidence and just like, you know, even though I, even though I think I might not be able to do it, um, you know, just showing up and, and just like, you know, saying, fuck it, I'm doing it. And like, you know, kind of learn through the process. But there's, I mean, I can't wait for, uh, oh my goodness, is that a dead, is your kid dying, Ben? I think it was the cat. Oh my God, that was amazing. Um, but, you know, yeah, there's a lot of stuff that I want to try. Um, I'm, and I'm willing to do that as long as uh, the other people that I'm, ta- that you know, my, my clients, you know, are willing to let me, you know, I have, I should say that, you know, I accept appointments today for custom work, um, but within my abilities, yeah. you know, somebody, you know, if they want a portrait, I'm not going to tattoo a portrait. Okay. <laughs> you know, it's going to look horrible. Yeah. You know, and I can refer somebody say, Hey, you know, Joe Schmo down the street can do it for you. That's pretty much it. I guess I have one last more business oriented question. And then I think I'm all out of questions myself, but okay. so I know a lot of tattoo shops do things differently, but for you, do you, do you have to like buy your own needles and the whole nine yard and buy all your supplies or is that partially like supplied for you? And then how does that work? So right now it's, um, like I have a like a shop cut, so like whatever I make from tattooing, go like you know, a portion of that goes to the shop, uh-huh. which pay or which goes into rent, supplies, you know, everything that I need to tattoo with. Um, that's pretty much it. You know, it's like whatever I make in the week. You know, there's the cut of that, and I bring a cut home. You know, I keep my tips, like you know, whatever. And then, you know, I divvy it up. I let them, you know, I let them know how many tattoos I did, how much I made, you know, and this is their cut. And then we all go home happy because, like, you know, <clears throat> you know, I could, if I really wanted to, I could tattoo out of my house and take everything with me. But, you know, that's not the right way to do it. You know, I'm doing it. I have to do it this way. You know, right. I, I like doing it this way. I like to be, you know, on you know, on the road to being professional and being like, you know, legit, not just some home scratcher fucking tattooing off my mattress and like, you know, you know, trading cigarettes for tattoos or some dumb shit like that. Well, we appreciate that. We don't want anybody we know to get scabies or hepsy or whatever. So, <laughs> no. well, well, I mean, you know, there might be some people I know that I, that I want to have scabies, but yeah. Yeah. So, I can name them. Well, can you, the one thing I don't think we've even mentioned yet, and, and I'll pop it in the intro, but what's the name of your shop, buddy? We got to be plugging your shop. No, so the shop is Wild Heart Tattoo. Um, we're located in Fishtown, and um, we've been open a little over a year now. And um, my mentor is Scurvy Dan, Dan Anthony. And um, his Instagram is Scurvy Dan. Scurvy underscore Dan and my Instagram is Juice Tattoos, and uh, yeah, you can find us on Instagram. You know, you can email both of us to get tattoos when all this is over. Um, 
you know, I sell paintings, I, I do custom paintings, anything that you really want, you know, I'm down for it because I, I do need the money. I do need to buy it. <laughs> well, I will say, Don't we all? <laughs> I've been happy to support you in this uh, during the pandemic time because you, you yeah. posted the these pictures of it. They look like Brian, early Brian De Palma movie posters reimagined as traditional tattoo art. And it just gets my dick so hard. So I can't wait to get the prints from you, but also, uh, you know, talk about doing those as as some tattoo work, too, which will be a big departure because I typically only do black and white tattoos, as you know. So, yeah, well, they can they can be black and white. It doesn't matter. Oh, no, that red needs to be there. That really pops. I like that a lot. So, (laughs) but so you got you got anything else you want to plug in? Um. Not really. I pretty much, I'm I'm pretty good. I'm pretty I'm pretty spent with all of uh, what I needed to say or want to say. Any cute girl's butthole that needs plugging, go to Wild Heart or or check out Juice Tattoos. He's he's got the fearsome cock on the loose, right? That's the that's the slogan. That is yes. That is, yes, that. <laughs> that is now the slogan. That is now the slogan. It used to be. Uh, Come get tattooed. I'm nice. <laughs> but now it's that. Yeah. yeah. Well, Ian, I want to thank you for coming on and allowing us to not do any real work for our podcast. Yeah. Hell yeah. Um, definitely go check Ian out. Go buy his art. If you don't, you're a cuck and nobody likes a cuck. Or a coward, uh, which is even worse. <laughs> you guys know where to find us. Instagram, Motel Hell Podcast. Facebook Motel Hell Podcast, email motelhellpodcast at gmail.com. And like Dick Fetty said, our OnlyFans should be up by the time this episode comes out. Yes. God knows if we'll have content on there yet, but you will see someone's genitals. Yeah. Oh, I can't wait for that. So that has been this week's episode. Thank you guys for listening. As always, later, nerds. Later. Thanks all.